Welcome to the Innocent Classroom Podcast. My name is Ade B.C. Wilson, and I'm the Director of Innocent Community Development with Innocent Technologies. Today, we are excited to have Alex Pate on the podcast. Alex is the founder and president of Innocent Technologies and the Innocent Classroom Program. He is also an award-winning writer and novelist. Today, Alex joins us to connect with you, share his hope for Innocent Classroom, and talk about the issue of preparing for breaks and reconnecting with children after the break. Is there anything you'd like to say to the Innocent Classroom community? I want to begin this conversation by saying it's been about five and a half years since we uh, rolled out the Innocent Classroom Training Program for educators in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and since that time, of course, we've moved into various uh, districts and cities and schools. The most important thing I wanted to say right from the beginning is every educator who has gone through our training program, every single person from administrator to uh, uh, teacher to bus driver to pack room facilitator to paraprofessional uh, is a part of a community that is focused on the well-being and the nurturement of our children, in particular our children of color. And I wanted to just celebrate that, celebrate the, uh, the volunteering of time, the generosity of the educators and the folks who participated, their engagement, their sincerity, their passion, and the time that they've taken to uh, engage with us uh, to see if we have something to offer them uh, as it relates to helping our children uh, in, uh, become more productive and viable and effective students in, the, in their academic career. What's your ultimate hope for Innocent Classroom? I'm the founder, the president of Innocent Technologies, the creator of Innocent Classroom, and I have only one goal, and that is that in every classroom in the United States of America, that every child of color is afforded the opportunity to have a viable relationship with the person at the front of the room and anybody else that they come in contact with during the day, regardless of the quality of their family, regardless of the nature of their community, regardless of the history of their racial realities, regardless of anything, that the educator in that room is open to connecting with that child and is equipped and prepared to do that. I want to change the public school system. That's quite the undertaking. Yes. <laughs> well, I want to switch gears a little bit and Talk about something specific that comes up quite often um, in our programming or as we talk with teachers. It's, and we're coming up on one right now during breaks. One of the challenges that we find is that teachers come back and they're like, like what, what happened? What, what did I do? Why is my child in my classroom treating me this way? What happened? What happened? Yeah. So, I mean, we deal with this. I mean, I, I'm only talking from experience of talking to educators about this issue, right? So, and thinking about how can we, how can we respond to that or how can you um, deal with that when it's happening? The critical issue to me is establishing the habit of connection before the break 
trying to send signals that the habit of relationship, of development, uh, of connection doesn't fade or, or uh, recede simply because you're not in school, and then reasserting the viability of that connection as soon as that child is back. Of course, the child is going to go in a t in totally different direction, perhaps, and is going to come back not necessarily in the same place that you were, but the habit of connection, I think, supersedes, is stronger than that separation issue. Like the child will, um, you know, they may not say it to you, and they actually may express it in a way that you can't understand it as connection. Um, they may come back more sullen. They may come back more angry. Uh, because in some ways you're establishing a standard that maybe the rest of the world, whatever their world is, can't even measure up to, right? right? So, but you have to, you want to do that and then remind the child, this is what we're doing. Yeah. So it requires the same habitual engagement day in and day out uh, to maintain the quality of that connection. Uh, what can teachers do to help protect a child's innocence while they're gone on these breaks? Well, I mean, that to me is a daunting challenge because as you know, in the Innocent Classroom Process Program, we don't really talk about what happens too much outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, the influence that a teacher has on a student based is always relative to the quality of the relationship they have. And so the child who is beginning to flash moments of innocence or who has reached a certain degree of innocence is all because the teacher's focus on that child's good is having an impact. So you know how we think about this, we say you find a child's good and you engage that good and over time that child will drop their defense against you and will open the door to a curiosity about academics and behavior changes, social emotional learning changes, all that stuff is happening in the classroom. When a child leaves the classroom, we don't really talk so much about the uh, viability of the influence mm -hmm. of, that, of that relationship. However, I think it's really important for a teacher to believe that their influence on a child can extend beyond the classroom, and it has to be, again, relative and commiserate with the quality of the relationship they have in the classroom. So when I'm thinking about helping educators think about what to do preparing for break, it is to solidify with the child the relationship that you have active in the classroom solidify that in some way by making a note of it or um, providing some sort of not necessarily material gift but a gift to that child um, in, in words or in uh, image or in literature, some way to say, I see who you are, you know I do, this is what we've been doing together, this, and that you know when you return from this break, I'll be waiting for you with open arms in the classroom uh, to continue the, the work that we're doing and the relationship that we're building, and that no matter what uh, they face outside of the classroom, that the classroom itself becomes the respite, the place where they can, when, when the break is over, when they and they can look forward to that, to coming back to the classroom where someone is waiting to see them as the true person that they really are. And of course, to help that child see that this quality of relationship that is constructed in the classroom 
is a basis by which they can begin to think and see the rest of their lives so that maybe they can, uh, it, maybe it can influence how a child engages in that break time with, you know, the struggles of family, with the struggles of material, you know, and loneliness and disconnectedness and uh, a sense of not belonging or a sense of chaos that is waiting for them in that space between school, you know, during the time school is closed and the time school is open. But I think it's the, it, the, the advice is for the educator to uh, solidify what has been achieved and to promise that child either uh, in, in words, but mostly in spirit, that when that child returns, nothing will have changed in that regard right. and that they'll be waiting for them to come back. And then when they do return, when they do return is to begin that process right away again to, to reestablish the relationship that was fledgling or, you know, in midstream development when that child left. Right, right. A and to maybe be waiting for them in specific ways. Like once you know a child's good, then you know what they need. You know things that they are going to – you can expect certain things to happen during that break. And some teachers, you know, have – sent letters to students during the break. You can also uh, provide a, a student with a series of notes that they can unfold over the period of time that the break is happening just to remind them. I mean, they may or may not use it, but that's not the point. The point is, is that the educators thought about that child, not general, not like these are 30, these are 25 cards that every kid gets that say the same thing. No, but 25 separate, I mean, this is more work. I'm not suggesting that right. every educator do this, but this is possible for a couple of students is to say, you know, I, this is December 27th. I've, I'm thinking about you. You can trust that I'm thinking about you, and I'm wondering about how we're going to attack this project when you come back or, right. you know, et, et cetera, whatever it is, but to remind that child that the contact that you have with them during the school year is continuous all through the break even though even though they're not with you. I think one of the most amazing things, it's very difficult to convey, but one of the most amazing things is the ability to convey caring from a distance yeah. without connection, you know? And to be honest, I think most educators on uh, December 28th or 29th or January 4th are thinking about specific students. They wake up, think you wake up thinking about children, and it's like try to do that ahead of time, and so make some notes so that they can, because you know you're going to be thinking about them. They probably won't be thinking about you, but you, but once they do have a sense that you're thinking about them, the relationship grows at the same time. The truth of the matter is, if you believe it, the child is much more likely, not guaranteed but much more likely to look forward to seeing your face right. when they get back to school. That's right. Yeah. And, and if you think about this in terms of, uh, you know, I don't want to talk too much about sort of a behavior modification thing, but we are in some ways trying to affect the way children s respond when they see you, right? It's not, yes. it's not the school, it's, it's you. And if you present yourself to them in the same way you presented yourself to them before they left, then why would they, you know, we know they will be different 
but the chances are there is a chance that you can pick up right where you left off. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to say as we move? Well, I rarely, we I rarely get, I rarely have had this opportunity to talk to so many of the educators who've gone through this program. And like I said at the beginning, I just want to thank you, wish you happy holidays, and all of that for participating in this program uh, and for caring about the children you teach and the children you are engaged with. I think um, we're well on our way to making um, tremendous strides and impacts in the quality of life for many of our children and in the quality of life for educators working with our children. I just think it's about authentic belief. I think the community, the universe of the innocent classroom is alive and well. And it's all thanks to the educators who are part of this process. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for thank joining you. us today. My pleasure. Um, have a happy holiday and take care. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you for joining us for the Innocent Classroom Podcast, where we free children to achieve. If you have any questions or thoughts about this episode, or to be a guest, email me at adebisi at innocenttech.com. That's A-D-E-B-I-S-I at innocenttech.com. Also, join our community on Facebook and on Twitter. Have a beautiful day.